Hey everybody, this is Brent Watkinson with Everyday Artist. Thanks for listening and be sure to click that subscribe button wherever you are hearing this podcast. And as always, it's free to do so. Today's guest is Bill Sinkevich. His website is billsinkevichart.com. And let me spell his last name for you. Google will probably help you out a little bit. But again, it's Bill, B-I-L-L, Sinkevich, S-I-E-N-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z, art.com, billsinkevichart.com. You can check out my website in the podcast section to see images of Bill's work, as well as seeing a lot of images on his website, of course. Bill is an Eisner Award-winning Emmy-nominated artist. His work has been exhibited all around the world, including the National Museum of Fine Arts in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and in European galleries, including galleries in Paris, Barcelona, and Tuscany. His advertising and movie posters include Nike, MTV, Nissan, the Winter Olympics, the Green Mile, as well as many magazines. He is noted for DC Comics, The Sandman, Endless Nights, and also did work for PBS in terms of the TV series Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. His work for Electra Assassin swept the top comic illustration awards in the United States, Europe, and Italy, and was granted the 1987 Kirby Award and the 1986 Yellow Kid Award. And just as a note, the Yellow Kid Awards are Italian comics awards presented by the International Cartoonist Exhibition and distributed at the annual Italian Comic Book and Gaming Convention. Now you're probably starting to get, if you didn't already know, a better understanding that Bill is undoubtedly an international success on the highest level and is sought out by those that want his special and specific artistic qualities that he brings, wielding the action-packed abstract divisions of space with the beautifully drawn aspects of characters and narrative scenes. His images are full of expression, energy, and responsiveness. This interview is quite intimate and goes into depth about Bill's childhood and his development of appreciating the value of consuming and creating comics, art, and media, and ultimately becoming an artist. It is my sincere pleasure, with great respect, I give you Bill Sinkevich. Let's get into it. Bill, in your mind, I can ask this question a couple of a couple of different ways, and I could say, "What constitutes a good comic?" And the other way I could ask it is. Is a good comic the same thing today as it was 50 that, years ago? That, I like that. Okay, yeah. 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 So, What do you think? I, um, 
Well, I, you know, that, that's a great, it's a really great question because it, it makes me think of, um, different ways of telling stories, uh, in every, in every arena, not, and again, having to do with photography and comic strips, comic books, not just the visual medium, but also say music. I mean, if you think of the music, I mean, if you listen to the, like, say the, the end of, um, the shining, you know, where the, you know, where the, there's that long tracking shot down the hallway and you've got, uh, I can't even remember the, the band leader's name, but that music, or you listen to Django Reinhardt or any of that, um, uh, that kind of music, uh, that to me, I still, it evokes a very definite time period, but there's something that is timeless about it to me because maybe because art transcends time in, in a way. So what constitutes a good comic to me is that the human condition never really changes. You know, you can have guys like uh, Thomas Nast or other ca cartoonists or editorial cartoonists from, you know, from the, the uh, uh, you know, the Tammany Hall era and, um, you know, and then you are right up until today. And it still shows that that we're as corrupt as as ever. So, you know, it's it's that old Mark Twain thing that history may not repeat, but it rhymes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And and other things like, like, one of the things I've thought a lot about, especially in, in the current political arena that we're in, is that, uh, you know, everybody would talk about Nostradamus, and his, his, uh, predictions and his accuracy and everything else and and I sort of feel that he wasn't great at predictions at all but what he was great at was being a student of human nature and understanding that you know we don't learn anything from history so um and that probably is for good or ill so it's like if something is good you know it may always be good but what does change is context. I mean, some of the, the things that, that are going on now are, uh, you know, especially with uh, race issues and gender issues, et cetera, et cetera. That's where it, it really, um, you know, changes. So, uh, so that's, you know, I don't know if I've necessarily answered the question, but I do think that uh, what makes a, a good comic in uh, like say the 1920s or 1930s, the subject matter may change. Some of the storytelling elements may change. Um, uh, there may be advances in technology, but I do think that um, uh, the need, the ingrained, the genetic material <laughs> that uh, makes up humans, I think we are natural storytellers. We need to make sense of things and i think that's how we do it is through stories so what kind of stories what kind of comics did you like when you were growing up what were your influences there well i liked everything uh as a kid anything to do with comics um even though i loved reading books i mean jules verne was one of my favorite authors as a kid i, I devoured his stuff you know of course there were like the, you know the, the classic children's authors like you know Dr. Seuss and, and other people. Uh, there was one book um, that I remember reading multiple times, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was about a, uh, 
a dog, a seeing eye dog, uh, an Als- they call them Alsatians as opposed to uh, German shepherds in the book. But uh, the dog eventually goes blind and ends up having like another, you know, its own seeing eye dog, you know, uh, so to speak. I've never heard that story. Yeah, I can't, re- I can't remember uh, what it was, what the name of the book was. But I think I've always been like into animals. So um, I don't know particularly why that, that book struck me um, at the time It's for, for me to have remembered it in, from first or second grade. But I loved reading anything uh, that was visual. Uh, my father and grandfather, I still remember. Meaning the words would paint a visual picture for you. Is that what you meant by reading something visual? Uh, well, oh, actually, in that in that context, I was talking about you know reading uh, comic strips okay. or comic books. Uh, although I do seem to recall that the the book with the you know the Alsatian, I think it, it had illustrations in it, black and white illustrations. Um, but uh, you know, I grew up in in, on, in farm country, so that was you know uh, I'd always loved animals, so. Um, you know, I found that I, w- I would tend to gravitate towards stories that had to do with with animals. I kind I grew up on a farm in New Jersey, and then during the weekdays, I was going to school with my classmates. And every weekend that came up, we were about 60, 70 miles from my grandmother uh, and grandfather. I never knew my grand my mother's uh, parents because they passed away when she was very young, but. My grandfather was a coal miner, and they lived in near Scranton, Pennsylvania. And so every weekend, we would go to to Dixon City, Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I would spend time with them there. So I never really got to like in a weird in a weird very in a very weird way. I grew up in two area, two different places. My childhood, like during the week, I'd be in one place. The weekends, I'd be in another place. So. I ended up feeling kind of isolated and alone a lot because when the weekends came and and everybody would, all the friends, classmates would go out and like ride bikes together. I was always away. And, and because I would go on weekends to an area that I didn't go to school during the week, none of the kids knew who I was. I was just, just this sort of this interloper. So consequently, I mean, there was one kid that I got to know. I mean, well, several, but there was one, a kid named Butchie. Uh, his, his real name was George, but his father was uh, a guard at uh, a correctional facility. And I think at some point I may, you know, and I realize I might be digressing here, but I, I might actually at some point do a story about it um, because his family life and my family life in a lot of ways were very similar. Um, my family life in terms of what I was growing up with was there were some, let's put it this way. I escaped into comics because of, of a lot of things that were very upsetting. It was, you know, comics was an arena where I could be in control and be in charge and create. And, and so you're talking about drawing your own right now. As well as consuming, as printed. well as consuming. So the the language, you know, and I realize we're 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 probably I'm I am probably going to be bouncing back and forth, but at the same time, I haven't forgotten your question. So yeah, <laughs> you're so, doing fine. Yeah. So the idea of um, uh, 
you know, loving and reading comic strips and then comic books, when I would visit my, uh, well, let me just finish the, the point about George, is that the artwork and the desire to draw, for me, that was a, like such a saving element, a saving grace for me. It, uh, because George and I were relatively the same age, and I, I, I came to find out years later when I, when I was putting myself through uh, art school by working in construction in that area. I, had my, I stayed with my grandmother and um, my father always wanted me to go to art school or go to co- go to college, but when it came time to to go, you know, it's not an uncommon situation. You find that that one parent or another has has basically imbibed the college funds, you know. So it's sort of like, uh, you know, all of a sudden, all those those nights at the bar, you know, when the, it should have been socked away for, you know child a b or c's college fund doesn't it doesn't happen um so i always had i had no trouble working at all i mean because i knew that i wanted to do art but when i i um would work in construction I, at around that time around say 17 18 years old when i was uh after high school uh i found out that that there were certain things about this guy george even though all throughout our childhood there were things that he did uh, and his behaviors that were sociopathic and very, very disturbing. Um, it was a, it was a kind of almost like a dog day afternoon of mice and men kind of scenario where the reason he and I became friends is because nobody else wanted anything to do with him. And because I, I only had maybe one other friend who was a, a ball player who lived in, in that uh, Pennsylvania area really popular kid like seeing him was hit or miss because our our backgrounds were so similar I realized that he eventually ended up in prison and I won't go into any of the details why but uh I'll probably say that for the story I the the one I the story I write my whole point of all this is that art saved me is it's like we had literally parallel paths in terms of our upbringing and extremism in terms of of parenting and sort of Stuff. But I, I, I often wonder if I didn't have my love for comics or the ability to draw or the desire to tell stories and whether there's an innate sense of um, empathy. All I know is, is that, you know, there but for the grace of whatever deity you want to put in there, go I, you know. So to get back to um, the idea of talking about comic strips and comic books I fell in love with that as a medium, as uh, an art form. Everything, the, the one thing I loved about comics, comic strips in the newspapers was that you could get everything from, and I'm, this is going to date me, but, you know, for everything from the Charlie, from Peanuts to Dick Tracy, you know, to Moon Mullins, to Smokey Stover, uh, to Dondi, uh, Carrie Drake, uh, Batman, Tarzan, well, if you dated yourself, you just dated me. Yeah, because I know all of those. Yes, well, that and all that stuff. And if you, if you, again, you'll, I'm sure you can concur, is that you had serious strips. You know, there was Prince Valiant stuff as well, and then you had the really sort of silly ones, um, the ones that were very simple, like Nancy. That uh, you know, as I forget, I think it might have been 
I, I don't know who exactly used the phrase that it, it, it takes more effort not to read Nancy than it does to read Nancy. <laughs> I forget who said that, but it's a brilliant truism. But I do feel that, um, uh, you know, that total array of serious to co- comedic to cartoony, it, it just, uh, and then getting into comic books with Superman and um, and again, spending time with my grandmother and my grandfather, I would bring a drawing pad because I like telling, you know, writing my own stories and drawing my own stories. But my grandmother would give me a couple of dollars and I'd run down to the the spinner rack, you know, and like the spinner rack at this one place. It was a guy, a place called there were two places. One was called Jerry's and the other one was Charlie's, not Charlie's, Charlie's. Um, were they grocery stores? No, they were they were kind of something out of Mayberry RFD. One was out of like a Mayberry RFD, but a, like or a David Lynch version of it, where you'd walk in and there would be like candy, like those those wax bottle ca- like bottles with with sweet syrup in them, and like the 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 rolls of paper with those colored dots on them. And, you know, cigarettes and this, like this, like this unhardly barely used soda fountain and a big wooden rack with, you know, with comics on them that, you know, uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, they maybe sold some kinds of, of, uh, you know, toiletries or whatever. It was something definitely out of the sixties or the fifties, you know, it was probably done in the fifties or the forties and they just didn't update any of it. So by the time I was there in the sixties, it already had a patina of, of age, you know, and uh, in history to it. Whereas Jerry's was just this, this guy who always seemed to wear like a golf cap and glasses and, you know, and he'd wear his pants up under his, you know, his shoulder blades and like an older guy with cigarettes and cigars and pipes and like all the men's magazines were in the back of this little dingy shop and the spinner rack for the kids, the, the comics was right up front and I can still hear the the squeak of it, you know? And so I would go in there, Superman, Bat, you know, uh, like at all of the DC stuff and just go nuts. I tended, the, the, for some reason, he didn't have a lot of Marvels at all. Charlie's had the Marvels, Marvel comics. Ch- uh, Jerry's had the, uh, the DC stuff. And then he had Charlton, Harvey, and all of those other, you know, like you, there was a kind of a, a hierarchy of how I used to, you know, buy the, buy them. I'd go through all of the, the, you know, the DCs and then I'd, I'd finish, I'd go back to my grandmother's, you know, which is like a, maybe a 10 minute walk and I'd read them. And then I, I decide I'm going to go back and I, I'd run down the list. So I'd get, um, uh, you know, go, the next round would be say the blue beetle or, or flash Gordon, you know, and then I, eventually I would end up with, like sad sack comics or uh, like a lot of the Harvey stuff with like Lotta or um, uh, hot stuff or Casper or, you know, dot, you know, it was uh, this obsessive, this kid is completely obsessed with dots. So it was, to me, it was, it was a way to get completely lost in an escape. And, and to interject here, when you're, when you said your grandmother would give you a couple of dollars, that doesn't sound like much now, but you and I were buying comics for 12 cents. That was it. So $2 was hitting the lottery. 
Oh, it, for it really was. Going to buy comics. Yeah, and also, you know, my grandmother was was the kind of person where if I said I want to get someone, she'd be like, "No problem." I mean, she was like, you know, a typical grand indulgent grandmother. You know, so um, yeah. So the idea of of reading all of these uh, these comics it it made such an impression on me because that was a not that we necessarily all of us kind of gathered around the campfire but of you know but the, there was an appreciation for comics and i think my father knew that i loved i loved comics and my grandfather enjoyed enjoyed them as well when Ad, neil adams started doing the 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 covers for the dc stuff um, and I hated Neil's work at that time. It was, it just was too much, too upsetting. It, it was way out of my comfort zone. That's when I went to, uh, to Charlie's to start like, you know, grabbing a hold of like the Marvel stuff. And that was a big, uh, like epiphany for me. What was the upsetting part? Was it violent? Was it, uh, it was ugly. What was it? Neil's work was, I guess it could partly be the dynamism and, and this is going to sound like a, like a kind of a splitting of hairs but there were certain kinds of comfortable familiar things that kurt swan did whether it was through george klein's inking or maybe murphy anderson like uh the way kurt would draw superman's rib cage you know there were the soft feathered you know rib cage or or abdominal muscles or on his his red boots there would be those vertical lines that sort of snake down his calf Neil would leave those, a lot of those out. And it was almost like, hey, you're forgetting super, like those lines, even though they were meant to imply like shading. Like for me, they just seemed like they were important. You know, uh, you get used to seeing certain things, you know, visually. And at a certain age that you grow up, uh, you know, I look at, I, I talk to students now who have grown up in a very specific era where they think of like the Animaniacs or, you know, or like Thundercats or, or, you know, every generation has its touchstone, you know, like SpongeBob or for me, you know, some of the animation stuff that I remember with like with superhero stuff was the, you know, the whole Mary Marvel marching society for like weekday afternoon, cut up comic books or animat, you know, animatics of, uh, you know, uh, you know, when Captain America throws his mighty shield, you know, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield, you know, the <laughs> every day had a new song, you know, and then from everything from the Flintstones to the Jetsons. So I, I realize well, I'm kind of, I might be getting kind of like all around topic, but you could see the main theme is, is that, you know, comics and animation and um, the, the things that provided a sense of enjoyment were a big, a big, you know, attraction to me but with but to get back to what i said about neil i find as i got older i i i started to like for some reason i don't know what it was that that sparked me to come back to neil but something just clicked and it was like this guy's got it going on you know and i don't know if it had to do with like i said with me you know maturing or whatever but um but it was like it sort of blew the doors open um, in terms of my fascination with uh, with comics and also with Neil in particular. But I do know that through all of it, when I was seven years old, like I remember still also uh, as I was drawing, I would start creating my own characters. And I, w- I would get, my father would bring home 
sheets of paper from various jobs that, that he would visit because he worked for the phone company and he would drive from business to business. And like he would work at the, uh, you know, he'd stop at and work at the, the newspaper and they had the print rolls, you know, the big newspaper print rolls. He worked in what was called the PBX department, which at the time meant that every business from insurance company to like the Playboy Club back when there were Playboy Clubs to banks to newspaper off, you know, uh, presses, they all had a, like a separate room, large or small, in which all of the telephone trunk lines were, were, you know, were there. So, I mean, you'd walk into these rooms and all you heard was clicking and clacking and whirring. And it was, uh, you know, and he got to know everybody. So uh, they would like give him, you know, very like the, the tail end of newspaper rolls or like a oak tag from, you know, uh, folders from insurance companies. So I was using these things as art supplies. Like he'd bring home like millions of ballpoint pens, you know, or wax markers. And, uh, uh, the idea of, uh, I would draw, I would do my own cutout dolls. I was actually, you know, doing cutout superhero dolls, like in coloring them, you know, it's like in having them fight, you know, like well, not, that you know. really leads me to another question. We'll go back. Yeah, that's, that's, that's half. fine. I realize we're, you know, like I, I, I think I've, I've answered at least one, one tenth of the question that you asked, but you know. no, you answered the question yeah. in, in, in a, a far more interesting way than yes or no, <laughs> but the sensitivity you had just to the way a rib cage on Superman was drawn really wants me to ask, what do you remember about the therapeutic aspects of you drawing or reading comics. You said it was very comforting. And then to, to read and consume a comic is completely different than, it's a different part of the brain than to draw and write and create something. So what do you remember about that time or those feelings? Well, the therapeutic aspect of it is, you know, I mean, I think we can kind of agree that that's a big part of it. And there was also, well, let me put it in this way, in this way, it's like in terms of, a, of, a, of another element of context. I remember when I was in kindergarten, at the time we had, there was one assignment I and mean, we would get these big flat crayons, these, these uh, Crayolas that were like, they think they came to eight to a box and they had a, they were gigantic. They were almost like six inches long. Now, least, when was this? This was. I mean, you like, were a kid in school? Well, I was a kid. I was in, in kindergarten. I still remember this. You know, it was a big awakening for me because I always drew and I thought every kid drew. And we had to draw at the time. And again, I know that in terms of, of nomenclature and, and times that the term Eskimo might not work well, but that's what, that's what we were, we were tasked with drawing Eskimos. And I remember just drawing this, you know, taking this big black crayon and just drawing on a piece of, uh, of newsprint, this outline of this figure. And I wish I still had it. I mean, I've got a lot of drawings and comics that I did as a kid. I still have them, but I remember doing this, um, figure with the, with the big fur boots and the anorak, you know, with the big fur collar. And after we did it, um, all of my classmates um, came and came to me and asked me how how I did that, and I was like, "Would you let me see yours?" I mean, can't we? Let me see. I, you know, I thought every kid could draw, and when I realized that 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 you know there was an anomaly there, 
I decided this was, you know, okay, this is my jam. It's like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to like, cause I think when you're a kid, it's like, it, it got me attention, you know, it's like, cause I was not used to any real attention. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it separated me out from the crowd and I, I kind of enjoyed that. And it was also a way for me to start, I started doing comic strips for my friends and all through grammar school. And then also through high school, I was doing um, like episodic stuff, you know, tune in next week, you know, and, and they'd be all like, you know, what's going to happen? What age did you start the episodes? Probably like six or seven. That's really young yeah. to have that kind of sophisticated thinking of, hey, kids, tune in next week. Well, but yeah, I'm sure this stuff was absolutely moronic, but you know, looking back at it, but it was, but it was fun. It was a way to sort of, it was just this combination of the silliest kinds of stuff, but you know, with that had these most ridiculous cliffhangers, you know, but the fact that, that, well, it's were, amazing. You had a story curve when you were six. Yeah. That's yeah. And amazing. I can't, and I, to the life of me, I can't remember a lot of what it, what it was. And they, they may not have been anything universal like universe changing but it probably it may have been because i was totally into the comics but the but the other thing about comics is is that they also you know uh my own bias toward them and and the a lot of adults bias against them they certainly helped me to learn how to read you know i a lot of even though i was pretty much a voracious reader anyway i mean it got to the point that was actually almost ridiculous because i would go in kindergarten, I, there was one kid, he and I did not get along at all. I referred to him as my nemesis. And I'm, I'm five years old, you know? So it's like, I'm calling, it's like, and I didn't know, I remember like. You had like, to read that somewhere. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's like, that's not like one of those, those like, you know, he's my enemy, you know? It's like, or like some kid will like, you know, completely botch it. It's like, I just don't like Carlton. Carlton's a, you know, a mean kid. But I do remember having a couple of, of sort of like to do's with him where I would basically say, you know, like like would you have Superman versus Luther, you know, in, in the comics it was written usually as VS, you know, with a period, like as opposed to the Zack Snyder Superman like V Batman or Batman V Superman. But um, I didn't know that it was a it was a shorthand version of versus. I just all I, I would read it as, you know, Batman V or Superman V.S. Luther. So that's how I was threatened. Like we were threatening each other. I said, you, you know, me V.S. you at, at lunchtime, you know, and um, and most of the, the drawings that I was doing, like for Thanksgiving, I remember doing a crayon drawing of a, of a pilgrim chasing after a turkey in third grade. And I had a word balloon coming out of the, the turkey's mouth with with the yelling HALP, H-A-L-P. And my teacher like was furious with me because she said, that's not how you spell help. And I said, I know, I know that, but I like, it's like, it's, it's a, it's, I was hard to explain. It was the comic version of right. help. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like, yeah. It, so I was, I was already kind of using um, kind of dialectic or dialect or, you know, or, or different, interpretations of words i was giving i was giving spin to the stuff so i just i maybe it was i was a, you know just a uh it i just took to all of the the conventions or lack of lack lack thereof of the medium so uh anyway i i you, you did ask me a question so to get back to it what was that let's can yeah 
you mentioned earlier about the sensitivity that you had of the rib cage of Superman, where you preferred it one way as to another, two different artists. And you talked about the therapeutic value. And again, that's my word, not yours about drawing and making your own stories and writing as well as consuming the product of comics. So what do you remember about the therapeutic value of that? The therapeutic value of of comics in general was the fact that was was the existence of comics period. It was, you know, um and 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 again I'm talking about even the almost prohibitive like guilty pleasure of, of mad magazine too, you know, which when I was a kid that I think younger kids, you know, don't understand the magnitude of, of what mad magazine was to, you know, guys and gals of, of, you know, of our generation, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, all of the, you know, the, the more Drucker satires of TV shows like the man from uncle or whatever. And, you know, it was, it was, it poked fun at everything. And there was a therapy, a therapeutic aspect to that as well. There was something subversive about it. And in a weird kind of way, there was something subversive about comics in general, because there were a lot of adults who I think tolerated it in terms of my interest with it, because I think they found it a way to, um, you know, it seemed somehow age appropriate. But I do know that for me, in terms of my own up, like my own family situation with both my father and my mother, and because of certain things that had happened, you know, in, and in my upbringing, I, I didn't tend to necessarily feel safe or I didn't necessarily tend to feel like I had them as real parents or places that I would go to for, for safety. So I retreated into comics, into the drawing. Because like, for example, when I would go to Pennsylvania on weekends, um, if George wasn't around, you know, if he was off doing something, um, and I, and the neighborhood that we were in, I never really got it. I, I, I hardly, if ever saw any other kids, my age, they may have been off doing, you know, at the local pool. So I just, I tended to stay by myself. I would go up in my, uh, grandparents' bedroom, um, while my, while my, you know, my parents and grandparents and maybe other relatives were downstairs and I would just start drawing and writing stories. It was an area, a place that, that I was in control. I could draw and tell, I could make heroes and villains. And I was, you know, for lack of a better term, I was God in that context. I was, I was the grown up, So I could write a finish in which, you know, the hero wins as opposed to being a, you know, a five to 10 year old kid with drinking and carousing and violence and all this other shit that, that I look back at now. And I think, well, you know, and I think you talk to a lot of people who draw who, and any creative endeavor who've talked about escapism and, and, and getting out of a rougher situation. Uh, I think that they all sort of view it as, uh, there's no mystery as to why they chose to get into whatever. Like uh, there's, it, for me, it was almost preordained that, that I was going to get in comics in terms of create, you know, creativity. Yeah. The, the preordained aspect of it, what, you know, because comics and some, and visual art att attracted me, like if I, and again, I also liked acting 
when I was in, you know, in my, in kindergarten and first grade, I, I ended up acting and writing and directing with a friend of mine, like our school plays. And part of what got me into, into, I guess I was always into storytelling and performing or whatever. And I guess the performing through the comics, but I remember telling my father when I was seven, I wanted to draw comics professionally. And, um, I think he thought that was, um, age appropriate and silly and, and, uh, uh, and cool, do it, you know, go right ahead. But there's, there's that old expression that, uh, that said, uh, from, uh, I think it was Arthur Miller who said that, you know, playwriting chose him. He didn't choose playwriting. That's how I felt about comics. As, as I started to get older and I think some of my own, um, when my, you know, at fourth grade, in fourth grade, I started, you know, needing glasses. And I think I started to put weight on when my baby teeth fell out when I was younger. It's like my, and my, my uh, adult teeth came in, they came in very crowded. So I ended up having sort of very crowded teeth. And I went from, you know, feeling like, um, I mean, I've seen baby pictures or young pictures of myself and I felt like I was like, I was a cute kid. And I think over the years, I think I sort of felt like, well, anything that has to do with me being out, you know, acting or, or, you know, playing a musical instrument, all of those cards seem to sort of, and dominoes seem to fall away and like not, not in favor of me continuing being a fat kid and, and, uh, and feeling like uh, all of a sudden I became invisible to, to girls, you know, it was like it, it, again, you talk about things being preordained. It was like, I think I, it, all the signs were pointing, were pointing to you're going to be in a, in a garret somewhere drawing pictures, you know? So, um, uh, you know, even though in, in, you know, as I, again, as I got older I, and I love sports and I love music or whatever, uh, there was a point when I, I sort of felt like I had to choose, you know, a master, you know, one master. And that was, that was art. As I'm, as I'm talking, I'm realizing that I had a lot of areas that I, I really enjoyed. I mean, I love comics and I said I wanted to do them, but I also had other, um, I mean, I love sports and I loved music and I loved acting and I loved, you know, writing and direct like one again with the directing um, performing, that was all part of it. So I suppose in a, in, in a way going into comics was sort of the perfect way to sort of bring all of those things together. And just the fact that, that my own physical development conspired against me. I mean, if I had ended up looking like, you know, like a, a Brad Pitt or something like that, it might've been a very different scenario. I always thought you yeah. did look like oh. Brad Pitt. Well, it, yeah, it, yeah, the, uh, I was going to say in which movie Benjamin Button, you know, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, which uh, version? Yeah, right. But again, with you know, with writing and drawing the stuff, it's uh, you can be you can be the hero and the villain. You know, there is that level of ego involved in all of it. You know, and control. It, it, it's I it, the I think the 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 key phrase is is I think control from a very young age. It's uh, you know life life will throw you a bunch of. Um, uh, you know, interesting curveballs, and that's one of the things that I'm I'm enjoying with the teaching here at the academy is 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 talking to to younger people, you know, students who I feel very sort of honored that they a lot of them choose to open up to me about some of their their own issues, um, and and part of it is also because I tend to be pretty open about 
my own past and that, you know, comics for me are not just a, a way to tell superhero stories or silly stories or, or cartoony stories or, but they're just a way to, to tell stories. And there's something very therapeutic about them for the creator, but there's also something very cre- like therapeutic about them as a reader. So, uh, the the brilliant and look people talk about film they talk about not like novels they talk about theater the one thing that has always stayed with me growing up is that comics were always sort of viewed as something that you would that I would grow out of so I think my when I told my father I wanted to draw comic books as a kid and write them I think as I got older and I think he realized more and more how serious I was about it that's when he wanted me to have a real, like a real, real job to fall back on. So he taught me electrical wiring. And I also worked with him on, like I would, I would, when I got my driver's license and, you know, I think at a younger age because of, of, uh, uh, you know, the, the learning permit and also because of being on, in the, like on a farm area, I think I would be driving to different houses with what was called a tube tester. And again, this is dating me. You know, I'd walk into people's houses and unscrew the back of their TV, which, of course, were were monstrosities and, um, you know, and test the tubes and, you know, the vertical hold tube would be off or, you know, or, or else I'd be writing down what the number was of the of the tube. And and, my, you know, we'd, we'd go to Pennsylvania, you know, on the weekend, my father would go to like the electrical shop, pick up whatever we need. And I'd go back the next week and replace the tubes and you know, get whatever 10, 15 bucks or something like that, maybe even less from the, from the people. And, uh, or else I'd be putting antennas on people's roofs. I'd be climbing up ladders and installing like, you know, TV antennas. Like I had no trouble. Again, I, I, I work, you know, I was, a, I, was a, I, I still in a lot of ways view what I do as, um, even though my grandfather, and this means in, this is no may, way meant as a disrespect thing to, because he literally was a coal miner. But I sort of view what I do is um, there's a, I, I find art like as a, there's a nobility to art, but at the same time, I feel like I'm in, I'm in the mines or I'm in the fields, you know, so to speak. I'm, I'm bailing hay. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, you know, that's not necessarily a, protestant work ethic because i was raised catholic but or a, a recovering catholic i just ha- maybe it's just simple obsession that i just it, to me i'm just working so there's no there's no glamour to it it's just you know you, you you plug in and you do what you have to do to to get the job done you know it's no secret i hope it's no secret that at the illustration academy there are lots and lots of contact hours with instructors and part of that is uh, the work that's being done and part of it of course is actually talking and just having a, a relationship with the instructors with the students if you are a private student then the instructors are not intrusive but sometimes there are times where the students really will open up and you had a recent experience with that. And it really, I believe rang true with you because there were similar issues perhaps in your early development, like the early development that goes on a lot at the Academy. Do you, I think you know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. Can you 
share a little bit? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I can, us. I can certainly share. You know, I, I, I'll refrain from giving any names, um, and um, uh, or nor, you know, or maybe perhaps uh, find a way to sort of um, step aside from from what may what may be the actual. Uh, issue of this person uh, so as to not not you know have have the possibility of them feeling like I'm betraying any kind of confidence I wouldn't I wouldn't dream of doing that but the, the overall the overall point is that um, you know this person came to me and uh, and I will say that okay that let's I'll, we'll say it's, it's it was a, a female so she told me about, um, uh, you know, was showing me some of her work and there were some very disturbing images. And I certainly had done, have done my share of very disturbing images. And, and throughout my career, I've seen a lot of disturbing images. You know, you get, you get the, the, the people who are sort of into the demons and the sort of, you know, the, the sort of Frank Frazetta ish, you know, horned characters and, and, uh, and there's all, there's a lot of this, you know, blood and guts kind of a thing. And, um, and, you know, which, which can become sort of visual tropes, you know, and, and it's like, and they think the, that the violence is sort of what it's all about. It's like the, Oh, it's so cool, man. It's like gory, you know? And I did that when I was like maybe 13 or whatever. It's like, you know, drawing pages and then going with a red magic marker and, you know, filling in the bullet holes on the, you know, I mean, like just that kind of thing. But, um, but she was explaining and like showing me some of her images and uh, uh, and they were disturbing and raw and they you know it was her way of when she would put put down images like that um, usually meant that she was in the grip of of an ep- like an episode of some, you know and I've had my my share of of uh, not necessarily exact type thing. But, you know, like for obviously this person was communicating with you on on that level. And that's important. Well, what you know, and again, this is what I find so uh, wonderful about not just the academy, but also just in terms of the art, the artists need to connect and communicate. Um, But uh, that they felt comfortable enough to open up Um, because everybody, I think, wants to have a level of acknowledgement, have their story heard and seen and told and, and to be able to tell it. And, um, certainly with myself, I know that what I've done has been in part to try to, um, overcome some of what I grew up with and yet also make a living and also hopefully show other gener the next generation or other people that they're, that comics are viable and that you can actually, um, tell a story, but also hopefully bring a level of hope or closure or catharsis or, you know, um, relief or security in the same way that comics were for, for, were for me when I was growing up. Um, I think every generation kind of does that and hopefully builds it on uh, the next level, um, the next for the next generation. But she, um, uh, she showed me the image and I thought, um, Rather than just responding uh, to by to being where this person was at, you know, in the th- in the throes of 
of a certain kind of um, self-perception. Let's put it that way. I think it really comes down to a self-perception. Like like there are people who deal with um, negative situations uh, by cutting themselves, you know, um, and that's not what this person was doing at all. But like I'm using that as an example, you know, there's self-harm or um, or there's, you know, there are people who even at a very young age who begin, you know, abusing chemicals, you know, or getting themselves into very, very dangerous social situations and, and you weren't trying to do therapy with this person. No, Obviously, I wasn't trying to do therapy. You were was, just trying to talk about the artwork and and. Well, what I was what I was actually trying to do. Sorry for interrupting, but but was was actually to, um, because having recognized some of the the issues that come up, for me, telling a story and 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 taking the com the medium of comics and addressing them in the comic in the comic format. Um, uh, you know, with, uh, like say if I, there was a, something that happened, you know, that, that upset me in real life, I might make a draw a similar scenario in which the, the hero sort of confronts a similar thing and overcomes. And I, and, uh, so what I, I actually said, what struck me not necessarily as a, you know, you must do this, but what if you were to take this your your response by doing this image because you're in the middle of this i think if you took the image and then you wrote on top of it that you reclaimed it that you started that you did something to it again there's the doing of the image and then as jasper johns would say it's like you take an image you do something to it you do something to it again and you do something to it again and you keep going into this deeper deeper layer almost uh uh almost like an archaeological dig where you're just burrowing deeper, you know, and building up layers um, of uh, different degrees of perception and interpretation. And um, so I, 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 I said, well, what if, what if you were to do this on top of the work that you've done that you're that rather than being responding only to your, your issue and by by creating this, you're actually fighting it and saying you're not besting me in this. I'm going to write my own narrative. I'm not just simply going to respond in in a way to by drawing an image of how I feel. I'm going to to turn it around and and add power, take the power back. And, and and draw and write on top of it. And I mean, in my own sketchbooks, there have been many, many times when I would be feel very sort of frail and and frightened or, you know, um, and there have been a couple of times in my past where I, you know, when I was younger and even in my adult life where a fear will kick in and a paralysis will kick in. And the one thing that happens is, is that they don't last long. It's like because um, I might be frozen in place for, you know, anywhere from a, a couple of hours to a day, you know, depending on what it is. And inevitably what happens is, is that, you know, like if it's been a physical thing, I'll, I'll be like, what, you know, this could be, you know, this could be X, Y, or Z, some malady, you know, and it's like, well, stop, rather than sort of trying to talk myself out of it and sort of make, calm myself down, it's like, look, just call the damn doctor, get it checked out, do something assertive about it. Um, and um, and take the control back, 
you know, and people have said, and I sort of believe that depression, and I think a lot of creative people suffer from depression or OCD or different things that, that are, um, you know, chemically based in terms of brain chemistry, where you can take a, um, you know, a situation where, uh, uh, you know, you've got a certain way that your brain works and, uh, Depression to me is anger turned inward. That's the way I view it. You know, it's it's a way to um, stop yourself. So I'm all about responsibility and taking the power back to, you know, of about what life has handed you and to be not only assertive, not necessarily aggressive, but assertive in terms of, of rewriting the narrative is like if like if life hands you the lemons the proverbial lemons i mean you know make a lemon lemonade lemon meringue pie you know i mean you know do you know do put the lemon around the the rim of your margarita glass you know or, sorry it's a lime but you know for the sake of the of the euphemism uh but the um or the metaphor whatever but uh the idea of her suggesting to her that she actually write something on top of it, then she could use that in her comic work or in her narrative work. Or if she wants to like, not even write necessarily a comic, if she wanted to do a story about it or a personal diary where it's, uh, it's an overcoming and that can reach out to other people who are going through similar things. Cause I think the worst thing or the thing that we all struggle with is to not give in or not surrender to the dark stuff that happens to us. I think if you scratch any, you know, any uh, artists of any ilk, you're going to find a survivor of some sort and not just a survivor. It's not just about surviving something. It's about flourishing and thriving. The, the And then on top of that, there's the obligation that we have to honoring the gifts that we were born with. Not necessarily that, you know, and I'm not, you know, like it's like, quote, God provided us. It's like, or whatever that stuff, whatever you may think. I sort of feel like you may be born with a set of gifts, but you can take, you can't take much credit for, for genetics in that way, but you can take a lot of credit for how hard you work to bring them to full fruition and to use those gifts to, you know, as the, as that, like the goal, as they say, is like to, you know, leave the world a, a, a slightly better place than, than when you, you know, when you, when, when you came in. So the idea that, that this person could affect another person who is going through what she's going through or a similar thing. It's like, it's, it's like, we're all fighting, you know, and fighting and it's like we may all ultimately end up with the same outcome. I mean, no, as they say, nobody gets out alive. But um, and I've had this conversation with many creators where they talk about, you know, well, then what's the point? It's like, how do you you know, how do you what is the reason for doing it? And I think that part of it is, is that you you must come up with your own reason, you know, that that um, um uh, you know, like if you're if you're waiting to do anything of any value because it's like you know, you're looking for the afterlife, you know, uh, whether you're expecting 72 versions or, you know, or like to sit at the left hand of Jesus, you know, it's like that that to me, it's like this is the only really real concrete 
reality that I know of that is absolutely certain. So it's like, what can I do now? So if I'm, if I'm working one day and it's like, and I, uh, or I'm drawing one day, or I feel like I just like, I'm struggling one day. It's like, um, that's one day like less or fewer, you know, if you, depending on whether you're Stannis Baratheon, you know, is like, uh, and people who are Game of Thrones, people will know what I'm meaning, but it's, uh, but I'm the, with I, you. But yeah, <laughs> awesome. But the idea that, um, uh, you know, you're, you're, that's one day that I'm not making art and, and, uh, you know, and putting one more brick in the wall and maybe what that, what that one page might mean something that, uh, in terms of a, a, you know, not something so, so grandiose as a legacy. Um, but as a, a, a statement that just simply as a human being, I'm here and it's like, and, and this is what I had to say during my time on the planet. And I, and I, and that's been one of the big things that have, I found really interesting is that especially with the students. And again, this one gal that I was mentioning, you know, for those of you who might get offended by the term gal, you know, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, you know, it's like woman, girl, you know, female, cis, you know, gender, whatever. It's like, you know, having a conversation with a number of different students that they're, um, everybody is on their own path, you know, and some people have, the path of doing comics and other people, and especially because illustration Academy, even though my language has been illustration and comics as you know, I, I will cross over between the different arenas, you know, but comics are sort of my, my center, but having the conversations with many of the different students here, there was one who uh, deals with, you know, children in crisis, which may be, you know, like uh, uh, there's a lot of predators online. You know, and, and this person thought about doing, you know, getting good enough at art so she could do a children's book to address, you know, things that like you're, you're entitled, children are entitled to uh, body autonomy, you know, and here's what you need to do or think or, or, or how to behave in situations that are potentially dangerous and, you, and do it as a, a children's book that's instructional. So it's like the one thing that, that sort of seems to be a, uh, uh, a consistent through line is that there is a level of therapy, you know, and making a difference. And there's also, um, the potential for making a difference for younger kids, you know, in terms of protecting and doing it through children's books. And then of course there's, there's the complete other side of that, which is, Hey, let's tell, you know, a rollicking good story that's just fun and silly and doesn't have to have all of this weight attached to it uh, in terms of, you know, changing the world. Maybe like, why not just tell, you know, uh, you know, a story at the end where the hero gets the guy or the hero gets the girl or, you know, the hero, you know, finds some kind of, um, you know, respite from, you know, from all the, the, the dark stuff that they're doing, going through. So it's a, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it all, it's all possible. And I, and that's the whole thing about the creative process. You know, it, to me, it's, it's just, it's a wide open arena and, and I view comics and illustration and because I, I love the idea and even in illustration, you're telling a story, 
you know, a na- there is a narrative in each single illustration. With comics, it just tends to be over probably more pages, you know. So the idea that um, you're you're connecting with other human human beings, you know, it's it and and being better and learning more about the tools about how to make pictures and put things together in terms of going back to school the proverbial school of like learning how to draw learning how to like you know arrange values and shapes learning how to you know tell uh uh you know stories uh and put picture make literally picture make all of those things are improving ways of communication with the rest of the world it's like having a uh you know no pun intended but like having you know all the best words you know literally and not just not not just in front of a you know uh, a group of reporters and you just saying you know you know got the best words bigly bigly i got the best words you know you really want to have all the the elements at your disposal to to reach out and, and and connect and so you're doing two different things you're making a statement about your 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 connection and commitment to the to being on the planet and hopefully being you know a force for some kind of good uh and then at the same time also reaching out and touching other people and being touched in return so there's this subtle dance in any type of communication and we're talking artistically and we can talk about drawing and painting. We can talk about dance, choreography, poetry, authoring plays, what have you. There's a subtle dance of having the ability to manipulate media, whether it's words or pictures. And then you have to have ideas and communication skills. And I think those you, you have to have a little bit of all of it to really be effective. I think so. I do. I, do. I mean, I, I, um, I mean, when I'm aware of the fact that our conversation is sort of taking, you know, a sort of a more of a metaphysical, you know, or a existential kind of a turn. That's it's where a, you yeah. and I always end up anyway. Yeah, probably. <laughs> this is very true. It's my fault. I'll yeah, take no, the blame. No, no, it's, there's, there is no. There is no fault. It, it, it is, you know. In a way, it's like, um, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, because I can, you know, I can talk for hours about, you know, color mixtures and which tools to use and all of that. And that's pretty much uh, almost beside the point, you know, because everybody has their own method methodology and their own choice of tools and and facility, you know. So in, in a weird kind of a way, that's that's almost... Uh, um, a non-starter it's uh it's what you do with all of that those tools so um uh that that really make the end of the day you know make make the difference at the end of the day but I, again but there is another overarching aspect of all of this which is one of the things that i found out is that it reminds me of a bumper sticker that i read at one point which is said which said that a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work and to me with all the struggles of, of, you know, picture making and like, and all of the, the years that I studied anatomy, uh, you know, as a kid, I mean, I would, I would drill myself on, on learning, you know, where the muscles inserted and everything else, all of the toughness and tough stuff that I would go through 
in terms of uh, drawing and creating drawings or paintings. To me, that was still fishing. It's still fishing, you know? I mean, there are days it's just a job. There are days it's, it's like just math, you know? There's drawing and putting stuff in little boxes, you know, and it, uh, on, its, on its most grandiose level. And then there are other days where it's, when you think of, of an accountant, and again, I have no, I'm not maligning accountants, but I'm talking about, meta, you know, people putting numbers in little boxes, you know, or if you're sitting on the train playing what Sudoku, Sudoku or whatever, it's like you're putting, it's like there's, there are days when you're, you know, the stuff you're putting in boxes is just to get it out the door. And there are other days when it's like you're, um, you know, you're, you're really like kicking out all the, all the jams, you know, the door jams. So. Well, there are very few days that you and I have quote unquote worked in the past 30 years. And I've got a good friend that introduces me. Yeah, this is my friend, Brent. He hasn't worked since college, which, <laughs> right. Yeah. And which, and he knows that I work, you know, there were times I was working 12 days of, or excuse me, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, doing our thing, but it wasn't work. We were yeah. just doing it. Yeah. And you were the same way. Oh, I, you know, absolutely. And, uh, uh, well, that's the, that's also the illusion. It's like that people, you know, the perception that people have, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this too, where people will say, oh, you're your own boss. It's like, you must not have to, you know, it must be so easy for you. And it's like, as somebody just posted online where it's like, I realized that, you know, as being your own boss is that you're not only, you know, a really lousy boss, but you're also a really lousy employee, you know? <laughs> and I realized that there are plenty of times and, and I've certainly have done this when I, when I've written for myself, where like I, there's a certain way I like working with the writers that I work with. And it's like in wearing both hats, there are times when Bill Sienkiewicz, the, you know, the artist for a story wants to ring Bill Sienkiewicz, the writer's, you know, neck. It's like, you want me to draw this? You know, it's like, I, why can't I just, you know, uh, you know, do the proverbial snowstorm fight with, you know, with a polar bear and, you know, and a ghost or, or, or the converse, you know, the converse of that. People don't seem to understand that, you know, when you're working for yourself, it's like, uh, it you can't turn it off. It doesn't, you know, I'm always looking at shapes. I'm always, you know, looking for and overhearing snippets of conversation or, you know, that might be something that can go into a story that I'm doing. You know, we're, we're sort of absorbing it and taking it in and, and seeing how it can be translated, you know, or to use a, a Calvin and Hobbes term, how, how it can be tra- transmogrified, you know. Oh, I, I still look at a Taco Bell commercial and think that is really beautiful plastic backlighting. That's really effective. And look at the way the camera is panning this way instead of other way leading into when the logo comes in. And I'm like, Brent, shut up. Just watch TV, you know, turn it off for a minute. Yeah. 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 You can't. Yeah. You, you really, you really can't, um, uh, it, you know, it, it just, it just stays with you. And, and that's one of the beauties of, of it. It's, um, it's a constant companion. And that's one of the other things that I found with talking to the students and, and, um, you know, is that, you know, and, and throughout relationships, I was having a conversation last night with, with an artist, you know, and I've been, you know, I've been married and, and divorced and, um, and in multiple relationships and, you know, and it's, it's like, and 
through it all, it's like, and I can say this, you know, now, but I remember when I was in my early 20s working on Moon Knight, uh, having a very, very hard conversation with my then wife, you know, she was worried that I loved my work more than I loved her, you know, and I had to be honest uh, uh, and say that, you know, I loved her as a person, you know, a lot, but my work was, was the, probably the most important thing to me. And it had nothing to do with wanting to place her in any kind of a, a you know, a negative position. Um, but my work had been my survival mechanism, but my coping mechanism had been my best friend. It had been my partner in a lot of ways. It been it has been kind of my everything. It's been my way of viewing the world and the, my way of coping with the world. And it's like to it, to give up a core part of myself. Um, of how I, in, I I interact with the world for someone else, it's like um, you know, it's not like somebody said you know put a gun to your 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 you know my head and say you know you, your your art or your your wife or whatever you know or your art or your life. It's like that's the difference. It's like the art your art or your life. It's like there is no difference there, you know. But um, but I but I do feel that that. Um, because it's meant so much to me that 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 I think the one thing that I think other people, some other people don't have is something in their life that means as much to them. Like I knew at a very young age what I wanted to do. And I've met many people over the years who it's like I said, what did, what did you want to be when you grew up? And there a lot of people have no idea. And, um, and I, you know, there are musicians that I know and actors that I know, we've all had the conver- the same conversation. It's like our arts, art forms may be different, but what is consistent is the obsession with whatever it is that we, like whatever art we are attracted to, the desire to get better and improve and connect and, and make, and, and, you know, get out there and, and make music, whether it's visual music, whether it's, you know, oratory or whether it's it's uh you know visual it's 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 to you know sort of you know rage against the the proverbial machine you know it's a pursuit of excellence Mm -hmm. yeah i suppose in in you know in in closing you know uh because if 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 nothing else i'm i'm probably i excel at digression you know, so as I said, it's like it's I'll, I'll, another one of your art forms. Yeah, yeah. Well, or I'm trying to think of of the the, the right word for like art forms or um, shortcomings. You know, it's like or or I, I know that we you know sometimes we got into sort of darker areas, even though we sort of skirted around stuff and and the potential for the medium and whatever and and like the fact that there could be you know, pluses and minuses and making statements about being on the planet and all of this other stuff. And, you know, for the diehard fans and, and the, the lover of the medium, which I am and you are, you know, and, and lover of illustration and art, it's like at, at the same time, it's like I, I take what I do seriously. I take, uh, you know, but at the same time, I don't take myself too seriously. And having said that and, and proving myself an absolute liar at the same time, you know, it's like, or a hypocrite is that, um, uh, because these, these things move through all the time. And I think everybody sort of may go through this. It's like, I feel, um, there are days when I feel I'm, uh, that 
I'm working on something and it's like, you know, I want the work to be taken seriously. And then there are other days when it's like, geez, it's just comics. It's like, you're not selling, you know, it's not, it's not rocket surgery as the old, you know, that whatever mangled expression goes. So, you know, at the end of the day, it should still be there. It should still be fun, you know, but, um, you know, and that's not to say it won't be difficult. I guess the big takeaway is that is that this kind of covers the human condition, you know, comics, maybe that they're a metaphor for everything, but you know, it's like comics aren't necessarily like the discussion of world peace. They're not, that they're not really necessarily associated with, you know, like climate change or with evolution or anything else. They're they're I am well aware of where they are in the pecking order of humanity. At the same time, it's like, um, you know, it's that old thing about, you know, there's steak and there's hamburger and there's, you know, like all kinds of whatever kind of food. But it, it's like if you're going to make if comics are hamburger, it's like make really good hamburger. It's like if they're pizza, it's like, you know, just, you know, take take whatever your language is, whatever your way of interacting with the planet is and, and, and your gifts are and just, you know, don't don't hold back. It's like, you know, that's why you're here. So to me, anything that I've done in terms of the bit of the medium, in terms of pushing stuff and culling from various sources or whatever, um, I'm curious to see what the next generation is going to do with that. You know, so it's, uh, um, you know, it to me, I'm having a blast, you know, it's and and, uh, you know, it's been a blast talking to you. And I, I and it's been wonderful teaching here for the week and, you know, being inspired by the students. Because that is one thing that is cyclical is like, you know, to whatever extent, you know, people have said that I, my work inspires them. I'm being inspired in kind. And to me, that brings us full circle to like the fact that we're all on the planet at the same time, you know, so and uh, and, you know, knock wood, you know, the planet and, and us will be around, you know, so we can see where selfishly where this medium can go in the next hundred years. So I think I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, Bill, thank you for your intimate and interesting insights today. Thank you very much. Oh, Brent, it's been fantastic, you know, uh, chatting with you. We're not chatting, actually converse. Chatting, it sounds a little light. We've been conversing. We've been getting to some deep, deeper stuff than I normally get into, especially at this early in the morning. But, uh, you know, thanks again, man. I really, really appreciate it. I had a great time.